Thank you for listening in with me at Seeking Eye. A little bit about myself. My name is Darren, and I use the surname Mac online just for simplicity's sake because my full surname is much more difficult to remember. I established the Seeking Eye project to research the nature of life, death, and beyond. I have since set up events, interviews, and debates with some of the leading thinkers and researchers on the subjects, the results of which I share freely as discussions or podcast episodes on the Seeking Eye YouTube channel and Podbean profile. Until now, I have funded this project myself, but as the costs of producing and publishing my work have risen, I am now reaching out for support via DonorBox and Patreon. If you support Seeking Eye monthly through Patreon, you will receive certain rewards depending on which tier you sign up for. You can donate to the project via buttons which you will find online at seeking-i.com. You can also find the links to both of these in the description beneath each YouTube video and Podbean podcast episode. Of course, there is no obligation, but all donations will be gratefully received and used exclusively to improve this project. Thank you very much. This episode is the second part of my discussion with Dr. Jim Matlock. Dr. Matlock is the author of Signs of Reincarnation, published in 2019. He has worked at the American Society for Psychical Research in New York City and at the Rhine Research Center in Durham, North Carolina. He is presently a research fellow at the Parapsychology Foundation. His chief research interests are the history of parapsychology, anthropology of religion and reincarnation. He follows on from the famous research of Dr. Ian Stevenson, founder of the Division of Perceptual Studies in the University of Virginia. If you haven't yet listened to part one, I would recommend going back and doing that first. It is episode number 30 of the podcast, as this episode is a continuation from that discussion. What do you think would, would you say are the percentages on those that are really being to take this um, this area seriously? I know there's been a rise in panpsychist views and idealism and different philosophical backgrounds like that but what do you think um are the figures for that in terms of scientists uh, you mean percentage wise when you say figures you mean percentage wise uh yes yeah percentage wise <laughs> uh, i can't put a figure on it but it's still very small um I, it, the important thing though is that it's a growing number uh you do find more and more uh who are beginning to think um uh, in terms of panpsychism. Idealism is really the opposite philosophical position to materialism. Materialism takes the position that, that the ground of everything is material. Idealism takes the position that the ground of everything is non-material, is conscious. Um, and, and, you know, and so instead of uh, then um, the material, instead of consciousness generated by the material world, from an idealistic point of view, uh, the material world is generated by the mind or by consciousness. Panpsychism is the idea uh, that there is consciousness in everything. Um, some, now, that doesn't mean that everything is consciously aware like we are. Uh, you know, um, it doesn't mean that everything has the same type of consciousness. It just means that there is something 
that can be called consciousness or feeling, um, which is part of the fabric of reality that makes its way into everything. Um, the way this makes most sense to me is, you know, we have to think again in terms of, 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 of quantum dynamics. We talk about elementary particles. Well, elementary particles really aren't particles. To call them particles makes it sound as if they're something discrete, there's something that's physical or something that's, you know. Um, but, but it's not. A particle is not really any, any discrete thing. Particle is made up of um, really forces, and they're, they're not, you know, they're not subparticles either. <laughs> you know, there's nothing at the ground that is a particle. It's, that it's that's anything concrete in that way. Uh, it's all just forces, let's say. And if that's all it is, why can't that be consciousness, right? So the implication there is that the universe has a, um, you know, has a started off just pure consciousness, okay? And out of that pure background consciousness emerged these forces, which we think of, you know, as the, you know, as subatomic particle forces, right? The, you know, whatever is the, we keep, discovering smaller and smaller and smaller ones or more and more basic ones like now down to quarks, I guess, you know, so quarks or whatever it turns out to be the most basic of particles, those spun out of this background consciousness, but they're made of consciousness. And if that's the case, then the physical gets built up, you see, from consciousness. And then consciousness ends up in everything the way that panpsychism claims. Um, but for me, there's also an evolutionary aspect to this. I subscribe to sort of an evolutionary panpsychism. Uh, and some people say panentheism instead of panpsychism. Panentheism is, is God and everything. So you can think of this, this consciousness, you know, this background consciousness, this pure consciousness from which everything arose as being God, if you wish. Okay, if you want to take that that point of view on it, and then you say instead of consciousness, just consciousness being every, in everything, God is in everything. That's how you get there. So, um, uh, but anyway, so this this is the, 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 that's the, that's the alternate that's the alternative idea that more and more people. You're right. More and more people are now coming to. When I say people again, I mean academics, scientists, and so forth. That type of people. So going back to my going back to my first question, what, why do you think it is if there is so much evidence for the um, psychical experiences such as reincarnation and psi and whatever else involved? Why do you think that it's taken so long and it has taken so long to penetrate into modern science? Right, um, because of the commitment to materialism, and uh, but it's also because you know. There are, remember what I said earlier about um, uh, in Newtonian, phys Newtonian physical principles, classical physical principles, working quite well within a certain range, right? I mean, you know, and, and it's the same way with the psychological stuff. Within a certain range, it works quite well, you know? And so their materialist ideas do have 
something going for them, right? Um, so that you can, um, you know, look at chemical processes in the brain, for instance, having an influence on consciousness. It's just that ultimately, that's not all there is to it. So, but as long as they continue to do their research within this narrow um, area, relatively narrow area, uh, it, the, the materialist ideas work just fine. And so they don't see the need to go beyond them. But when we start getting into the psychic area, we do go beyond them, right? We go beyond what you can explain in these materialist ways. And it's at that point, just like light <laughs> led the way beyond uh, uh, beyond Newtonian um, mechanics uh, to quantum mechanics, uh, psi phenomena, psychic phenomena in general uh, can lead the way beyond um, beyond this reductionistic uh, um, science psychology uh, which now has such a hold on people but it'll it'll take a while still to, to get there right now they're still you know they still have so much success as they see it with their way of, of looking at things that they don't yet see the need uh, for going beyond that yeah so what what do you think of um, some of those that um, test say psychic abilities like remote viewing or mediumship or, or reincarnation cases and offer kind of what many would consider very damning evidence against it like um, the James Randi Foundation and their um, constant testing of these things and, and claims that they all failed because that to anybody who's looking at it would seem pretty damning to the field. Well, yeah, well in one way it's damning because uh, it, it undermines confidence I suppose and um, you know, and you know, and that can uh, that can cause uh, problems with funding. And you know, if you don't have funding, you can't do research. Um, so yes, it can be. It's damaging in that way, and it could be damaging also for the reputation of the field for people who who take these sort of debunking things as um, as, as as being uh, the sort of research that's conducted. Well, no, I mean, Randy. Randy's efforts were not the sort of um, the sort of things that the, the real research consists of. So, what, what would you say to those that, that quote his his activity, saying that well, if this stuff was real, surely someone would have been able to demonstrate it by now? Well, but you see, the they have. It's just not to his satisfaction. I mean, it's been demonstrated over and over and over again. I mean. Uh, in, in not only uh, in spontaneous cases, which really cannot be adequately explained, uh, like Ryland, for instance, you know, there's just really no adequate way of explaining that, other than that uh, she remembered things that she didn't have no way of remembering. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, there is this evidence, but they, they, you know, they won't accept that evidence because the evidence points to something that they think uh, a priori um, can't be, okay? So they're starting with their, their position and any evidence that runs counter to this position cannot be valid by definition, by their definition, you see. So that's why you need to, in science, you really need to start with the data. You need to start with your evidence and let your evidence tell you where to go. 
you can't start with your your and i think um before we go on to your specific theory which um i know you mentioned before i remember you also mentioned that would be a good caveat to this um regarding the evidence of the case of james leiniger who um the skeptics of which seem to claim a certain piece of information which is actually not the case um and has been kind of rectified would you like to kind of describe that one to to the audience who might not be aware because i know many will still um be unaware of, of the of the wrongdoings in this data yes thank you for bringing that up because that's another that's a very good example of the way that the uh, the skeptics twist things um I think uh, in order to answer the question, the best place to start is actually describing the case because maybe people are, not everybody is familiar with that. So he was an American, is an American boy um, who um, began having nightmares um, and uh, then memories uh, of a plane crash, having died in a plane crash. and. Um, uh, there were various other behaviors and various other memories. And I won't go into detail of all of them. Uh, but after some years and quite difficulty, um, his father was able uh, to figure out who it was he was talking about. Uh, and this was a uh, an American um, flyer who was uh, uh, um, during the Second World War whose uh, plane was shot down off Iwo Jima. Uh, and this was an American boy in, uh, in Houston, Texas, uh, in uh, the 21st century. Um, so how could then the boy have, uh, have these memories? Um, well, the, the skeptics uh, have a version of this case, which simply is not accurate. But what the skeptics say is that the uh, all of the boy's memories um, stem from his father taking him to an um, an aircraft uh, museum when he was two, and uh, according to the skeptical version of this, um, the reason that he said that he was uh, he was killed in a um, in a certain kind of plane is that he saw that plane on display in his aircraft museum and so forth. Um, well, there are a number of things that are wrong with this. Uh, you know, one of, one of them is that uh, uh, Jim Tucker, who is at the University of Virginia and it was the, the, the person who was investigating this case, um, thought to actually call the museum and see whether that plane was on display at the time the boy went there. And it turned out it wasn't. The there had been before that, there had been a, a Corsair uh, on display, but it had, been, it had crashed at an air show and had not yet been replaced. So the time the James Leninger went to the museum, there was not the Corsair that there is now. So that could not have been why he said he died in the Corsair. Um, plus, there were, plus his memories were much more detailed than that. Um, he, for instance, he was given some GI, GI Joe dolls 
And he named his G.I. Joe dolls names that turned out to be, <laughs> turned out to be, when they actually solved this case, the names of three other flyers from the same aircraft carrier, or maybe from a different, I'm not sure. But anyway, who known to him, whose planes were downed before him, right? So he, he this James Langer is giving the names <laughs> to his G.I. Joe dolls of people who were, <laughs> not only were known to the person that he recalled having been, but it actually predeceased that person, right? That he that he would have met had he died, perhaps he would have met after death, right? And I assume these these people that he would name the the dolls were looked up and confirmed later on. Yeah, they were confirmed later on. I mean, once this was tracked down, and once they had an identity, um, and uh, you know, and actually be got be able to get records of. Uh, you know, because the military keeps long records, so I actually be able to get records of this and talk to people and so forth. Yes, it was all confirmed. Um, and, and the father actually talked, and the boy actually that met uh, met people um, who survivors of, of that attack. Um, you know, who actually knew uh, the um, uh, the earlier one. Uh, James Leininger also drew pictures. He drew a number of pictures of this crash, and he would sign them James the Third. And this also, you know, only made sense when the identity of the person he was remembering was learned, because that person was named James Houston Jr. So here we have James Leininger, who therefore is James the Third, and that's how he's he's signing his. His, his drawings that he makes at age, you know, two and three, James the third. How could these things be things that he picked up at the aircraft museum? Makes no sense, you know. So, but this is the sort of thing that they, that the skeptics, um, you know, will, will trot out uh, is, is serious um, uh, responses. Um, so. Um, mm. And it certainly goes to show the importance of actually looking into the the um, data that you're criticizing deeply before attempting to write any sort of critique you would think, on it, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, you would think so, wouldn't you? And yet they don't. Um, they, uh, they they don't do it. I mean, and because I be, I believe it's because they have such the blinders, you know, and. Uh, you know, uh, to their eyes and also things on their ears. They just can't not see and hear anything. They don't want to. You know, and we need to move this out of the realm of religion because as long as there is the idea that the soul, what is the soul after all, right? I mean, the soul is sort of a religious idea. But we have this idea of the soul, if what, something reincarnates, well, it's the soul. That's what people, you know, refer to it as. But until we understand what the soul is, the soul sort of sounds like a religious idea. It's a metaphysical idea, right? At least, you know. And so uh, there doesn't seem it. This it just sounds 
than is if it's something that's religious, right? And it's not scientific and we can just set it aside. Well, um, I define the soul um, in terms of uh, the spirit or the mind or consciousness. I think they're probably, you know, there are differences in the way we use those terms, but I think they're all trying to get at basically the same thing. So I, I think of what survives death is simply being consciousness, uh, being the mind. And I think of it as just like the, the, a continuation of the consciousness that we all know from life, right? We all experience consciousness. That's not controversial, right? We know what that is. Well, we may not know exactly what consciousness is, right? That's a big debate about that. But we know it exists. We experience it, right? So, um, you know, our stream of experience continues after we die. You know, you know, and this is what is suggested by near-death experiences, the beginning of it. Um, but so our stream of consciousness, our stream of experience just continues then into death. Um, you know, and it continues on through death until it becomes associated, let's say possesses, shall we say, um, a new body. And I think it's as simple as that. Um, when we right get when we get down to it completely, but that's really sort of oversimplifying it. Uh, and so to flesh this out a little bit more, I also think that when we talk about consciousness, we need to keep in mind that we're not simply talking about um, our conscious awareness, the cognitive level of our consciousness, or at least the self-aware cognitive level. There's also a subconscious level. Again, we're all aware, right, that our, most of us are. I've talked to some people who, who genuinely do not seem to be aware of their subconscious side. I think uh, introverts, and I'm an introvert, maybe are more aware of their of the subconscious part of it, and that can we can actually use it um, to our advantage. We allow things to get to process subconsciously and allow them them to come up when they're ready to. So, I believe that memories, for instance, are recorded in the subconscious part of the mind. I think personality traits, I think emotions, I think everything that makes up the personality, that makes our identity, is recorded in the subconscious part of the mind, okay? And so that part of the mind continues on, right? With the level of experience, with the conscious level, right? Of consciousness. And so when, when, when one reincarnates then, the subconscious is there still. All of this content, content is still there in the subconscious. And what has to happen then is for it to be brought up to conscious awareness. And this is what happens when people remember previous lives. Um, and the, there can also be effect then uh, through the subconscious on behaviors. And this is what allows personalities and behaviors to continue. Okay. Um, uh, and what, what's, what happens there is that the incoming mind is responsible for, for influencing its new body, for impacting its new body, and producing the birthmarks, the birth defects, or whatever. 
And that's not really a, such an outlandish idea because we know very, very well through parapsychology that the mind can have an effect on the body. It does in psychic healing, for instance. Arguably, it has some, it does in something as simple as the placebo effect, right? Where a, somebody is given a placebo, an, uh, an inert substance, and told that it's the, that, that it's the real thing, and it has the same effect as the real thing. Well, how can it have an, the same effect on the real thing, except the mind thinks that it does, and the mind is 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 causing this effect. So it's really not an outlandish idea at all that the incoming mind uh, might influence its body. Uh, in, in, in One order question to, I would have is, on the um, on the idea of memory stored in the in the subconscious. Um, what what would you say to the materialistic position then that the mind is um, measurably and, and observationally saved as connections between neurons in the brain, and that if you cut one one neuron or one connection, then that memory can be lost. If that's the case, what why would that be the case? If the mind, if if the memory is stored in the subconscious well, mind, it's a long question. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know that it is the case. Um, I mean, they've you know for decades. Um, Neuroscientists have been trying to figure out where memories are in the brain. A number of them have concluded they're simply not there. I mean, because they can't find them anywhere uh, in the brain. And and, uh, and so, but when you when you think about it, I mean, how what sort of encoding of all? Anyway, we won't get into all of the the problems with even imagining it. Um, but with all of these, all of these, not just this um, argument, but all these arguments about, uh, about damage to the brain, having an effect on consciousness, sort of miss the point. Um, it, you know, um, just because if you affect the brain that affects consciousness, does not show that the brain generates consciousness. It could be that consciousness is interacting with the brain. And when you affect the brain, you're, what you're affecting is that interaction, right? You're affecting the, the interface between the brain and the mind. And so you have the same effect. And so all of their arguments do not show what they think that they show because you can very easily and just as well explain them in this other way. Um, the problem that generally is met by having the idea, and I've faced it many times myself because I believe that the brain acts as a filter of some force of consciousness, and the problem is, is then when you're approached and asked to demonstrate it. And we can't because we don't have the mechanism, so therefore it seems that we're adding another kind of yes. another aspect to Occam's razor. Well, I mean, I, I think that, uh, well, I, 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 my feeling is that ultimately this is going to be found on the quantum level, that it's at the quantum level that, that consciousness interfaces with the, with the brain. Um, and uh, there is a new field now of quantum biology. Uh, you know, this, this is sort of growing. Uh, and the majority of, uh, of, of quantum scientists still are materialists. 
uh, but that not there are exceptions to this. And um, um, I mean, there are, you know, those who, um, who are looking at quantum biology, uh, you know, in a different way and taking the possibility of, 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 of a consciousness that's outside the brain interfacing with the brain. But I think it's at that level, at a very, 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 very basic level that we're gonna ultimately find that consciousness interacts with the brain. Um, but, uh, you know, and so, but experimentally, I mean, parapsychologists have done um, experiments uh, with, uh, with, that show um, the mind having an intentional effect on quantum processes, okay? There've been experiments that have shown this can happen. Um, you know, where you get non-statistical biases, right? I mean, you know, in the direction that you, you're looking for. So, you know, again, we're, we're in an area that, yeah, it's controversial, but it's controversial in part because the findings go against what the materialists expect. And because it goes against what they expect, they're not willing to take it seriously. And that's really where we're at with this. They, they won't take anything seriously that doesn't support their point of view. They're not true scientists then, you know, and that's, that, that's simply the fact. True scientists will look at all of the data, look at the data, and then come to a conclusion on the basis of the data. But we're really, we're, you know, think about Galileo's day, the people who refused to look through his telescope. That's where we are now. Which seems amazing due, due to our um, ability now and our much more enhanced intelligence generally as a species that that would even happen yeah well i you know i think we've we've, we've always we have more knowledge but i mean i think we've always been intelligent people as a species i you know i'm not gonna you know say that we're more intelligent now we have more knowledge um but um you know but yeah i mean it is surprising that you you get people that you know that uh call themselves scientists and and who cannot uh, allow themselves to, to, to really look at the data and be led by the data. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Seeking Eye Life Exploration Podcast. If you did and would like to continue following my research, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel and following the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. You can also join our Facebook discussion group. You can find the link to this and other Seeking Eye online profiles at seeking-eye.com. Thank you.